Well, as you remain standing, I'm so excited to begin. I want to read for you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm going to read one verse. This is the verse that the entire message is going to hang on tonight. Listen now as I read verse 8. Here's what it says. Paul is thinking about these people in Thessalonica, these people that he loves, these people that he longs to make sure their faith is solid and they're standing firm. Here's what he says. He says, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. We're going to stop right there and have a seat. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. You know, I want to set some things up for you tonight by, by telling you about some vehicle issues that we've had in the last month or so. Anybody ever had their, their car or their, their truck go to the shop for a number of weeks and, and you were down a vehicle for a certain amount of time? All right. Okay, one person raised their hand. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've been there a few times. And we were actually there for, for about, uh, about 18 days over the, this last month, my truck, it had to have the rear main seal repaired. It's a really big deal. You got to drop the transmission, all of that stuff. It's a big project. And we, uh, we, 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 we knew it had to get done, right? And so we take it in and they start working on it. And this was while I was still coaching a couple of ball teams and my oldest was playing as well. This was while lots of work still happening. I mean, I have meetings, I have study to do, I have to be in the office, I have this and this and this. And, and in the middle of this, uh, we had a friend who lent us their car for the entirety of that, that, that little over two-week span of having no vehicle. You ever, you ever experienced that? Someone just saying, hey, I'm gonna, he, here's my keys, you can, you can drive this as much as you need to. Now, I've borrowed people's vehicles before where it's like their, their third car and, and it's pretty beat up and it's got like loads of miles on it and you know, they're like, hey man, you can drive it like it's stolen, I don't mind at all. This was not the case. The family that lent us a car, they lent us basically a brand new, almost off the lot car, nicer than anything that I've got. It, it was, it smelt new still. You know what I mean? It, it was a wonderful car. And I don't think they realized what they were signing up for because like the, the second day I had it, I think I had five, four or five softball girls in it with all of their gear, all their dirty stuff, going to the field and back from the field. And I used this thing to get to all of my work appointments. I used it to get to all of our games, all this uh, number of events. But, but as I reflect back on that, I was able to, listen to what I'm saying, I was able to live because they, they were willing to be generous. I was able to live because they were willing to set aside their car and let me use it for a while. And uh, this is so much what we're talking about in this passage today. Because I don't know if you've experienced it before. Maybe you've done it in a way that someone has lent you something physically and it has aided your life. Maybe it's a car, maybe it's a tool, maybe it's uh, whatever it might be for your life. But, but what about the intangible? Has there ever been anyone in your life that has done something for you that has impacted maybe emotionally, your life, or, or mentally, or what we're going to see tonight has had a profound impact on your life spiritually. That's what we're going to look at tonight as we open up this passage and we see how Paul is talking about these people in Thessalonica. Now, before we get to our big idea, 
Let me review for you where we've been. We, we've been reviewing regularly, but if you remember, Paul went to Thessalonica and he planted this church. He did it by spending three plus weeks with them, reasoning and explaining and proving from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And in the process of it, he became very fond of them. He, he began to love them like, like family members. He began to care for them deeply. And at the end of his time there, there was a mob riot. And he had to sneak out before he was beaten or worse. And he had to leave so quickly that he is concerned. He is worried. He is anxious about the, the spiritual state of these brand new baby Christians. Are, are they going to continue to walk in the faith? Are they going to cave and be crushed under the pressure of persecution? Are they going to be tempted by Satan to turn their back on Jesus, the one true Savior? And so Paul sends Timothy. And Timothy goes to, to check on them. And where we meet the text today in verses 6 through 10, Paul didn't just send Timothy, but Timothy has now returned and in his return, Timothy brings a report, and it is an incredible report. It's, it's like when your kids come home with a report card and it's straight A's. It's, it's like when you, when you go for your employee evaluation and your, your boss has nothing but good things to say about you. Timothy brings an incredible report back that demonstrates that those in Thessalonica are standing firm or standing strong in the faith. That's actually why our big idea today your, your take-home truth, the one thing that I want to have drilled into your mind and, and implanted into your heart, it's actually the entirety of verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me again. This is your big idea. Paul says this. He says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the faith. You know, I was able to live over two weeks because someone was able to lend me their car, but, but this is even more profound, Paul is not saying, I'm able to live, I'm able to get to work and back, I'm able to get to the softball field and back, I'm able to run my errands and, and so forth. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, now we live. Because you, church in Thessalonica, because you stand strong or fast in the faith, I actually think the same kind of relational dynamic is at work in us today. Have you ever considered the direct, direct connection between your life and the life of other believers? We live in such an individualistic society, but have you ever considered how you can have an impact in others' lives and how they can have an impact in yours? Do you know that you can be a major impact on someone's faith either for good or for bad? See, our text today is going to show us that in a very real sense, by standing firm in the Lord, you can provide life to others. It actually shows us this in, in four specific ways. If you haven't opened up to 1 Thessalonians 3 yet, would you do that with me right now? Would you do that with me? And let's find verse 6. And let's find the very first way that, that your life, that your faith, 
that you standing strong in the Lord, it provides life, spiritual vitality to other believers in this world. Let's start with the very first one. The first way is that it is good news to others. It is good news to others if you stand fast in the Lord. Verse 6, Paul writes, he says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, now that Timothy's returned, Timothy, I sent him from Athens to go to Thessalonica to check in on you guys to see how you were doing, but now he's come back. Now that Timothy has returned or come to us from you and has brought to us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. You see, Timothy, he returned, and he returned with a good report. It, it actually says he brought good news. This is, this is the same word used to describe the gospel. The good news of the gospel. Paul is saying Timothy's return and his report, it was, it was incredibly good news. And it was the news that his Thessalonian friends, they were not crushed by the persecution even though it was intense. That they were not tempted by Satan to turn their back on Christ. Instead, the description they get, the report card, it says that in two ways, that they, these Thessalonians, they did amazing. It says that they were described as having faith and love. Faith and love. See, this is what it looks like to stand fast. To stand fast in the Lord, you stand fast in the Lord, first of all, when you demonstrate faith. This, this faith is, it's not a faith that, you know, hey, I have faith that I, can, that I can, you know, hit a baseball 300 feet. This is not the faith that says, I have faith that I can be whatever I want to be. Remember the context here. The faith has already been spoken about. This is, contextually, this is the faith that is a trust in the, the gospel message. It's a faith in Jesus, in who Jesus is, and what Jesus has done. Just, just back up a few verses. Chapter 3, verse 2. Paul says, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish or, or to, to solidify or to strengthen and exhort you in your faith. It's a similar, similar way. Verse 5. Verse 5, Paul says, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, remember, he says, when I could no longer bear being separated from you, when I could no longer stand not knowing how you were doing in the faith, he says, I sent to learn about your faith. See, Paul sends Timothy to check primarily on the, the quality of faith the believers in Thessalonica have. And now Timothy returns, and he returns reporting, first of all, that they have faith. Let me just be very clear here. The faith they have, very simply put, it's a faith that Jesus is the perfect, sinless Son of God. That Jesus is unlike you and I in, in the way that he was perfect, that he never once rebelled, but that Jesus was just like you and me in the way that he was completely human. 
truly God, truly man. This is what they believed. And not only that, they believed that Jesus was willing to take all of your sin and all of the consequence for your sin and all of the dirt and all of the shame and all of the guilt. And he was willing to carry that upon himself on the cross. And when he died, he paid the price in full for all of our sin. This is the faith they had. They believed also that he was buried. And on the third day, by the power of God, Jesus was resurrected from the grave. He rose in victory paving the way for everyone who believes, for everyone who has faith in that, that message in that person, to have eternal life. This is the context. See, you, you are called to stand, to stand fast in the Lord. And you know how you do that? You demonstrate faith. But by demonstrating faith, this means that you and I, we no longer play this game where we say, if I can be good enough, then God will accept me or that God will bless me. This means we, we stop playing that game or, or we mess with other kind of ideologies or other kind of religions and say, you know what, a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of Buddhism and a little bit of karma and, you know, I can tip my hat to, to the Muslim faith as well. This is not the kind, that's not the kind of faith that we have. We have faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone. This is the faith that these people had. They demonstrated it. Timothy, he went and he laid eyes on them. He watched them. He talked to them. And as he talked to them, it became abundantly clear to Timothy that these people truly believed. This is how you stand fast in the Lord. When you truly believe and when others see it, it has an incredible impact. But it wasn't simply just faith. Beyond that, Timothy reported, not only did they stand fast in the Lord when they demonstrated faith, but you also, you stand fast in the Lord when you demonstrate love. These are the two words that were used. Faith, contextually, verse 2 and verse 5, faith in the gospel of Jesus, and love. It's amazing that as Paul writes back to those believers in Thessalonica, he actually describes the love that was described by Timothy in Timothy's report. Listen to how this love is described. Verse 6, he says, reported that you always remember us kindly, and you see us as we long to see you. This, this is the kind of love that Timothy could see. First of all, they, they remembered the missionary workers kindly. I mean, that, that was such a moment of, of drama and trauma. The city was in an uproar. People were searching for Paul. People were searching for Silas. The mob came to the house of Jason. They kicked down his door. They drug him to the city square. What drama. And yet, the cause of all this is the gospel being preached by Paul and Silas. And you know what? These believers, they didn't hold that against Paul and Silas. <clears throat> Instead, they remembered them kindly. They had good memories of them. Not only that, it says that they longed to see them face to face. They, they had the same desire for fellowship that the missionaries who were separated from them had. Simply put, they had, they had love. To you, 
You and I, we stand fast in the Lord. We stand firm in the Lord. We stand strong in the Lord when we demonstrate our faith in Jesus as the only way. But you know how else we demonstrate that? When we love each other. When we care for each other. I mean, I love to see the love demonstrated in this room. When, when people come into the room and, and someone's face lights up, oh, look who's here. Especially during this last few months as more and more people have come back from COVID. I, I heard even tonight in the room, someone say, oh my goodness, look who's here. That's the, the kind of love, the kind of desire to see one another, to care for one another, to encourage one another. Don't shortchange yourself. Your longing to see people in this room, your longing to greet brothers and sisters in Christ, your longing to be face to face with one another, it demonstrates not only that you are standing firm in the Lord, but it gives life to others. It strengthens each other. You see, it is good news to others if you stand fast in the Lord. That's the first description here. That's the first way that it gives life to someone when you stand fast in the Lord. It's good news. But let's keep going. As you get to verse 8, we're going to see that not only is it good news to others, but, but it's soul comforting to others that you stand fast in the Lord. Well, let me say that again. It is soul comforting. It brings a sense of comfort to someone's soul when they see that you are standing fast in the Lord. Look at verse 7. He says, for this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. You see, Paul had, he has some tremendous concerns. We talked about him last week. The two primary concerns Paul had, first of all, was that those in Thessalonica, that they would, they would have this affliction, they would be persecuted, that, that their friends and their family would turn their backs upon them, and because of that, these new believers, they would be crushed, and they would turn their back on Christ because of their affliction. That was his first concern. His second concern is that they would be tempted they would be tempted to, to live the way the world does, to speak the way the world speaks, to act the way the world acts. They would be lured away. They would abandon the faith. These are Paul's concerns, but the report that Timothy brings back is so good that it brings soul comfort. It, it brings this incredible comfort. You see, for Paul... The external circumstances did not change. They were static. They remained the same. It wasn't that Timothy came back and he had a winning lottery ticket for $1 million. And so Paul got this ticket and all the externals of his life were suddenly different. Oh, I'm, I'm rich now. This is great. No, no. Paul was still a weary traveler opposed by many going place to place, preaching the gospel, getting turned away, getting pushed out, sometimes being physically beaten. This is not a report that changes the, the physical, the, the external circumstance. Those, those can remain the same. Instead, internal comfort is what was changed. It was the internal experience. The, the word you hear is 
It's the word comforted. Funny thing. It's actually the same word used in previous verses for exhort or encourage. If you were here last week, we talked about the picture of being encouraged. And that was the picture of a father coming down on one knee, coming alongside his child, helping them fix the bike. This is the same word. Paul is not just saying that he sent Timothy to come alongside the Thessalonians. Paul is now saying that because of the report that Timothy is bringing back, it's just like the Thessalonians are coming alongside him to bring him comfort and courage and even cheer. This is, this is soul comfort. This is when you get home from a long day's work and you have, what do you have? Comfort food. This is, this is a, a warm blanket on a cold day. This is, this is time with your best friend in the hardest of moments. This is the kind of comfort that Paul was experiencing. It wasn't that his external circumstances were changing. It wasn't the life that all of a sudden got so much better but because of the good report, it brought an incredible comfort to, to Paul's soul. You realize, church, you can have the same impact on someone else. And we talked about affliction last week. We talked about how every person in this room, if we were to interview the room, we would have a really good long list of all of the difficulties that people are facing. There's probably some things that you're willing to share I'm guessing there's some in this room that have difficulties and trials and persecutions that you don't even want to share with a single soul. Do you realize that if you are standing firm and fast in the Lord, you can bring comfort to the people in this room that are experiencing major affliction by your presence, by your, your care, by your relationship, in those moments when you're willing to look at them eye to eye, in those moments when you're willing to pray for them, when you are clinging to Jesus in a very real sense, it's almost like you get to cling their hand also and you get to bring comfort as you stand fast in the Lord. This, this is the impact you and I can have. This is why Paul says, he says, for we now live because you stand fast in the Lord. There's a life-giving comfort that you're able to experience here. And it doesn't matter if it's distress. This is the word Paul uses in verse 7. It means pressure or calamity. It means very great difficulty. It doesn't matter if it's affliction. This is the word he uses as well. This is the idea of tribulation or persecution. It doesn't matter what's going on externally there can be a real internal comfort. This is the comfort of you standing fast in the Lord. See, it's good news to others. It's good news to others if you stand fast in the Lord, but it's also soul comforting to others if you stand fast in the Lord. Let's keep going though. Let's get to the, the heart of today's passage. I want you to see that it is life-giving that you stand fast in the Lord. This verse is incredible, verse 8. He says, For now we live. For now we live, conditionally, if you stand fast in the Lord. This, this word live, 
This isn't the word for biological life. He's not saying that now my heart is able to beat and my lungs are able to work. This is a qualitative kind of life. This is a spiritual kind of life. He is saying that now as a servant of Christ, I can flourish. I can thrive. You can actually translate it this way. You can say, now life is worth living. What a great compliment. He says, because I received a report from Timothy that told me that you are standing fast in the Lord, life is worth living. Why? Because, because they're standing fast in the Lord. Be, because they're steadfast or holding firm. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that when someone else has a solid faith, it pours spiritual vitality, it pours life into someone else. When someone is trusting in Christ, it ends up giving courage to someone else. Let me, let me just give you a few examples in our world today. Have you heard of Pastor Tim Stevens in, in Canada? He was arrested again this week. Oh, I almost showed the video tonight, but we wouldn't recover from it. He, police comes to his house. He's a pastor being arrested for holding services in Canada, and, and he's handcuffed and put into the cop car as his children are surrounding him in tears. Daddy, you can't watch that and not be strengthened in your faith because this person is standing fast, because they're courageous. And, and this is just one pastor. We, we don't see the countless pastors in all of the closed countries that are persecuted as they lead an underground church every day with their life on the line. But we hear their stories. We hear their stories, and when we hear their stories, it's, it's like courage and joy and comfort are poured into us until we can't help but overflow. This is the point that Paul is making. It is life-giving to others if you stand fast in the Lord, especially, especially when life is hard, Especially when there's persecution. Especially when following Jesus isn't the popular thing to do. It's life-giving. You see, it's, it's good news to others if you stand fast in the Lord, but it's also soul-comforting. And it's not only just soul-comforting, but, it, but it's life-giving. But, but let's go a little bit further. I want to end, or I want to, the, the fourth way here is, I want you to see that is. It is prayer-inspiring that you stand fast in the Lord. In verse 9, he says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Verse 10, As we pray most earnestly, night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul's response here is ultimately, it's ultimately a response of prayer. He says, I just end up praying because of you. And if you notice in the text, he prays two specific prayers, two kinds of prayers. Can you identify them as we look through it? 
The first kind of prayer, it's a prayer of gratitude. When Paul looks at the Thessalonican believers, he ends up praying a prayer of gratitude. Listen to the text again. He says, for what thanksgiving or what gratitude can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. See, he says, how do I respond to God? He says, what, what prayer of thanksgiving can I return to God? That idea of returning, he says, how, how can I pay back God? Kind of a weird thing to say, right? He says, I listened to Timothy's report about your faith, and, and, and I just said, how can I pay back God? What can I do in response? But Paul's not saying here, I'm going to earn God's favor. He's not saying here, I've got, to, I've got to be good enough. He's just saying, because of the way God is working in your life, I just want to pay him back with something significant. And the significant thing he comes up with is, it's a prayer of gratitude. It's a prayer of gratitude. Now, I want you to see that, that this, this prayer of gratitude, it's, it's, it's a gratitude that's like it, taking a, a ripe piece of fruit off of a tree, like a directly off a tree. And it's just, it's perfectly ripe and delicious. And he takes it and he, you eat it. And it's just, it's so juicy. It tastes so magnificent. This is what he experienced. But instead of eating a piece of fruit, he's talking about the fruit of joy. He's talking about joy. See, the fruit is joy. Look again. He says, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. But Paul looks at them and he says, I pray a prayer of gratitude because, because as I listen about your faith, I just rejoice. Who, who's rejoicing because of your faith? This is, this is the kind of impact you can have on someone. Your faith, the way it impacts someone, it can be just like thanking God for a piece of delicious fruit, but more than that, you can be giving someone incredible joy. Not, not, not for anything more complicated than being steadfast and standing firm in the Lord. You can give someone joy by the simple, almost boring life of faithfully trusting in Christ and of faithfully loving other people. This is what caused Paul incredible joy. The fruit is joy, but you know what the root is? The root is God's work. This isn't joy simply because of the Thessalonians, because they have their lives together now. Paul attributes this. He says, he says this is because of God. It's because of God that the Thessalonians are standing firm. It's because of God that their faith is growing. It's because of God that they are steadfast. It's because of God that you are standing firm. It's because of God that your faith is growing. It's because of God that you are steadfast. And when you recognize that, when you recognize God's kind hand working in your life, I would argue even bringing you here tonight or causing you to tune in online, I would argue that, that God's kind hand is behind every baby step you take of spiritual growth. And when other people see it, they can't help but say, I just want to thank God. That's the first kind of prayer. 
The first prayer is a prayer of gratitude. <clears throat> the second prayer, though, it's prayers of longing. Prayers of longing offered for others. Paul offers prayers to them, or for them. He says, verse 10, as we pray most earnestly. Notice the intensity here. He doesn't say, I pray casually. He doesn't say, I pray, you know, flippantly. He doesn't say, oh yeah, I mention you in prayer before I eat my meal once in a while. He says, we pray earnestly with this, this zeal, with this passion, with this drive. And then he tells us how often, as I pray earnestly, night and day. Their faith has impacted him so deeply that he is praying earnestly night and day. What does he pray? That we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. See, prayers of longing, they're offered because there is a longing, first of all, for fellowship. He says, I want to see you face to face. He says, he said this in verses one through five, that he wants to see them face to face. He says it in verse six, that the Thessalonians, that they want to see Paul face to face. And now we get to verse 10 again. He says, and I still, I want to see you face to face. This is that longing. We've, we've unwrapped it a few times already. And so that's the first kind of like longing, this longing to see people face to face. But the, the next longing is incredible. <clears throat> it's a longing for further growth. Longing for fellowship, and then a longing for further growth. Verse 10 ends like this. It says, and supply what is lacking in your faith. Simply put, Paul wants to teach them more of the scripture. Simply put, Paul wants to disciple them more according to the word of God. Simply put, Paul recognizes that no one has arrived, <laughs> that everyone need, needs to grow, that everyone needs their faith supplied because everyone has something that is lacking. This is true for us as well. This is the kind of impact we can have. When you are living a life of faith, it can impact others so that they want to pray more, so that they are inspired <clears throat> to pray specifically for these things, to pray in gratitude, to pray to see you, to pray for mutual growth. What am I talking about here? Verse 8, for we now live if you are standing fast in the Lord. This is, this is the message of Paul. He says that when you and I, when we stand fast in the Lord, we pour life into each other's spiritual life. Now, this happened to me in an incredible way this week. This week, Stephen and I, we were in Nashville of all places. It was hot. It was nice. And uh, when we were there, we were there for a large convention. Our, our church were affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. If you're not familiar with that, basically what it means is that we're a voluntary participant and, and we give because we, we, we give financially to send more missionaries around the world and really for education. And so a lot of people call it a denomination. That's actually a misnomer. Denomination means there's a top-down rule. Our church is completely autonomous, autonomous, but we we volunteer to give because we can do more together with other churches than we can on our own. If you follow the news, Southern Baptists, is, there's a lot of drama there. Honestly, there's more than I like to handle. But, but let me tell you about the, the most amazing thing that happens when you go and you gather with all these churches. On Monday night, we went to what's called 
the mission commissioning event. At this event, they, they presented 64 missionaries that are about to go around the world to serve Jesus. The couples were presented as couples. There was a lot of single people as well. And in each of these missionaries, they got to stand in front of a crowd, 15,000 people. There was, it was so many people there, right? And they got to say, hey, this is our name, and here's where we're going. And in every one of them, they said, here is how we would want ask you to pray for us. Couple after couple going to Africa, Central and South America, going to Europe and Eastern Europe, going go to East Asia and South Asia. Some of these missionaries, they were presented behind a screen and all we saw was their silhouette because they're going to secure closed countries and their identity needs to be kept secret. I'll tell you what, 15,000 people in that room, there was not a dry eye. So moving. Every one of them, as they spoke, you know what it was? It was clean, cool water being poured into my spiritual tank, filling me up, giving me life. You step back and you realize how much good we're able to do. In 2020, because of this partnership, we sent 422 missionaries, 422 missionaries to the ends of the earth. This means that we're part of supporting 3,552 field positions. This is 3,500 workers around the world on mission. Because of them, 700 and almost 70,000 people heard the gospel in 2020. They heard the message of Jesus Christ. Because of that, 144,322 people, new believers, were the result of that. The result of that actually is 86,587 baptisms. This, these numbers, this is why we partner. But, but, if I could do one thing, it would be to take every one of you, not to all the business meetings, not to all the drama, not to all the debating, to take every one of you into that room on Monday night with missionary after missionary saying this, I am giving my life for Christ. I am going to the ends of the earth for Jesus I am, I am giving up my dream job, my, my great salary. I, I am leaving parents and grandparents. We are going to the ends of the earth. You know why I would want you there? Because you would feel exactly like the Apostle Paul when Timothy comes back to him and starts giving him a report. Let me tell you about the way the Thessalonians, let me tell you about the way they're standing fast in the Lord. Let me tell you about the way they love each other and other believers. This is, this is what caused Paul to say, for now we live because of you. So, so let me ask you, let me ask you to put you, let me ask you to put yourself in the Thessalonican shoes for just a moment. Who's looking at your life? And because of the way you're standing fast in the Lord, who's experiencing life being poured into, their, to, into to everything they are? Not, not they're being saved, not, not that, but who's being encouraged and built up because of you? Do you have someone? If you do, awesome. 
If you don't, don't do it right now. But before you leave tonight, look around. Look around at this room of believers who, who you can be having an incredible impact on. Maybe here's what it looks like for you to do that. Maybe you say, can I take you out for a cup of coffee? Try this. Take someone out for a cup of coffee and say, I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell you my story of how I came to Christ. You want to know one of the most powerful things you can do to pour life into another believer? Tell them your story. Say, say something like this. Can, can I tell you how God's working in my life right now? Share. Share how you're learning the scripture. You will pour life into their very soul. And they'll be able to say, for now I live because you stand fast in the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the example we have in Scripture of those who trust Christ, those who stand fast in the Lord. Thank you for the example we have of their faith and of their love. And God, thank you for the way your Spirit moves us to follow their example. Father, I pray that you would solidify in the hearts and the minds of every believer in this room tonight. I, would, I pray that you would solidify in them a, a rock-solid faith. The, the kind of faith that is founded completely in Jesus, in who he is as the perfect son of God, and in what he did through his death and resurrection, I pray that they, each of us would, would have our faith stand fast and stand firm. And God, I pray that out of that, we would grow to love each other. We would be like Paul, who wants to see one another face to face. It's like we almost can't wait to come and be together so we can encourage each other and so we can grow together. And God, in, in this reality, as we grow into this, Father, I pray that we would experience more abundant life than we've even dreamed of. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, one other thing about us. And come to love your testimonies. Come to obey your word, God, and have right relationship with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to close our service with one more song. And of course, thank you for those that give both physically and online. If you are inclined to give physically, there are the buckets in the front and in the back. But before we close, before we sing, we've started a new habit. I don't know if you've realized, but every week we like to close with a prayer for missions. Now these numbers from the International Mission Board, they are not an advertisement. They are not a ploy for money. What this is, this is us as a church identifying these are our brothers and sisters going into the nations. These are people that we can be praying for. So would you lift just your hearts and your minds to our God and let's pray for the missionaries that we are able to send around the world. Pray with me. God, mighty God, you are merciful and you are showing that you are great indeed, God, as you call and inspire people to give their lives for you and your purposes. God, we thank you. We cry out, praise you, God, for the work that you are doing. We pray for these brothers and sisters that are going into the nations. We pray that they would remain steadfast. We pray that they would be bold, that they would be wise, and Lord, that they would want for nothing, that you 
you would pour out your spirit on them. And Lord, call people to your grace. Call people to repentance. And Lord, build your kingdom. We praise your name. And Lord, we ask that you would be in all things glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.